only one song worth singing They may try and sell you Cause it hangs them up To see someone like you But you've gotta Make your own kind of music Sing your own special song Make your own kind of music Even if nobody else sings along This is Comics Therapy, episode 80. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co-host, as always, is Andrea Shockling. Up this week, one comic from April 22nd, 2015, All New X-Men number 40. That's right, we have a lot to argue about, I mean, analyze, in this issue, so we're devoting an entire show to a single book. Just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. Welcome to a very special episode of Comics Therapy. This week, as Aaron said, we're looking at some of the themes of identity brought up in all new X-Men, as well as their implications for representation in comics as a whole. We've never deliberately spent an entire show discussing a single book, but sometimes things happen in the world that we can't ignore, and the existing plan goes out the window. Consider this our Isaac and Ishmael, hopefully with slightly less pretension, but with many of the same intentions. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron Myers and Andrea at Andrea Shock. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Hi. Hey. I'm looking forward to like our 10-minute show. Yeah, I think it's going to be longer than that. Mm, I don't think so. I think we can spend 10 minutes talking about what we've been doing in the two weeks since we last chatted, though. Okay, that's fine. Has it been two weeks? It feels like it's been days. Nope, it was two weeks. And what was last week's excuse? Mm, I don't know. You had a convention to go to, I guess? So did you, dude. Yeah, but I can record anywhere. How was line work? Um, it's a lovely little show. Yeah? What makes mm-hmm. it different from any other show? <laughs> what makes this show different from other shows? Yes. On this night? That's a Jewish reference for those of you who aren't. What is make li- What makes line work different from other shows? I guess because it's entirely in indie focused right um and it's much smaller and intimate than a lot of conventions who did you get a chance to talk to that you don't normally get to see uh michelle fife was there Mm -hmm. in the flesh it was nice to meet him in person awesome um daniel Klaus was there excellent so that was nice uh they're like those are the bigger names um that other than that there's just a lot of people you wouldn't you wouldn't see or wouldn't necessarily be like high on your, oh, I got to get this guy to sign something for me. Sure. List. But, you know, good people to chat with, especially like a lot of the Periscope artists were there I saw. So yep. it's always nice to touch base with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And many of those you might see at a convention too, but it's a different setting. It's, you know, it's a little, I guess, less hectic because it's, it's, not a huge room. It really only holds about like 40, maybe 50 tables. Wow. Wow. That's, At the that's most. significantly smaller than I thought it was. No, oh, no. Yeah. It's a, it's not big and it, they broke it up. I only got to go one day. So I missed the Saturday show, which had a different, completely different people in the Sunday show. How so, do you feel about that? For me, I was bummed because <laughs> I missed out on half the people I would have liked to have sure. checked out. That's an interesting strategy, though, to, I guess, accommodate more people given the confines of the venue. Right. But for somebody coming in from out of town who can't be there for both days, I can see that that's 
that's a bummer. Yeah, so I think there's a compromise to make there. Yeah. I think judging on how things went, at least on Sunday, they I would not be surprised if they were looking at a bigger venue for next year. That's cool. And maybe not having to, you know, break it up with different um, exhibitors on each day. Where was it? It was at this place called the Norse Hall in Portland, mm. which is a Norse Hall. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I'd have to, I didn't look it up, but it's, you know, like an Elks Lodge or something okay, like that. Got but it. Tonight, it's a great building. Uh, air conditioning could be better. That's but... always the case at conventions. Sure. What, when has, has it ever been the case that a convention was too cold? Never. <laughs> I mean, I hear the uh, Antarctic Convention is sparsely attended right, and, right. and very cool. They don't get a lot of big names, though. No. Wizards World, Nova Scotia. <laughs> um, but, you know, all, I mean, I can't complain. The price is right. It's free to get in. Oh, that's excellent. You just walk in. So that that's awesome. And getting somebody like Daniel Klaus to come up and sign books and be there with Fantagraphics is, is a pretty fun experience. Yeah. Plus, but it's, more it, it's social time small. for you. Sure, yeah. Like, you had to talk to friends. I did. It was nice to see friends. Aw. Mm-hmm. You did a good yeah. job. Thank you. So, tell me about your big convention. Well, I went to Big Wow in San Jose for the third year. Is that right? Third year or fourth year? And this is the only convention that I take Avi to, routinely. Uh, I've taken him every time I've gone down there. It's really close to where I live and it's very small and manageable although I have to say significantly more crowded this year than it has been in the past so that's kind of awesome mm-hmm. a very manageable list of people to see and chat with including like some friends who are local uh, but also a couple of people who had come in from town out of town uh, Dennis Culver used to be local and so it was great to see him since he's moved down to Los Angeles. Uh, and Justin Greenwood was there. And then I had a little side project that was actually super fun and has given me some inspiration, I guess, for the way to approach. The thing about Big Wow is that it's a, the, there are a lot of names, none of whom are in my like top three. I have to see this person or else you know, I'm going to explode kind of names. Many, many, many great people who I'm like super stoked to have the opportunity to chat with. Uh, But it's just not a huge show. And so it doesn't bring in, let's see, uh, you know, Chip and Matt are never going to do their whole thing at in San Jose. It's just, you don't think so? I I don't don't think it is. Hmm. Nope. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in the in the future, that could happen as as the con grows and you know maybe i'm just being a jerk but it's really hard to tell these days because conventions are so prolific (laughs) there's just so many conventions now well but i i take that as a sign of the individual creators have a lot of different choices about where to go and right and therefore like what's the draw and then the really positive side is that you have the chance to talk to people who in that setting, are way, way more accessible. You know, like the way that we used to talk about Emerald City a couple of years ago. And that's fantastic. Like Greg Rucka and uh, Michael Lark were at Big Wow last year, not this year. 
And it was quiet and chill and they're amazing guys to talk with. And it was so cool to have the ability to stop and and talk with them for like a significant amount of time without feeling like you were taking that away from all of these other people just because the attendance was lower and the just like the vibe was different than other places that I've I've seen them, for right. example. So this year at Big Wow, uh, Conrad had sent me uh, the Stan Sakai like uh, tribute book. Uh, there are a gajillion people in there. And uh, he put together a list of all of the people who were going to be at Big Wow that I could um, go and get some signatures for him. Mm-hmm. And that was a very cool way to approach the the whole floor right it gave me like it gave me an agenda it was it was like a fun little mission to be on it also encouraged me to talk to a couple of creators who i like hadn't necessarily had on my own list mm-hmm. and that was that was like a really rad way to to look at this kind of like smaller sized con without without being like intimidated or weirded out by like approaching people who I had never talked to before. Yeah, it's an easy, sure, it's an easy icebreaker. It's totally an easy icebreaker. God, it sounds like something you would do, Myers. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting. But there is something about having an anthology kind of... Oh, for sure. That's the best way for you to do it because you don't have to haul a big, stupid, you know, Right. So, like, that's the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And so that was, like, a really... It was a fun project to have. And it made me think about how I might approach a con in the future. Like, I love anthologies. I've got a bunch of them. And they've really become something that I, like, gravitate towards. And so maybe that, maybe that is a thing that I can do in the future that, that kind of guides the way that I approach, like, a con one that I haven't been to before or, or like one that I don't have other friends that I'm meeting at, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was a fun like framework for the day. Yeah. You could also like, I mean, people, that's why some people do the sketchbooks too. Well, you know, sure. They, they have a sketchbook and that gives them the opening of like, I want to talk to this person. I don't necessarily need anything from their table or want to haul books with me to have them sign. Right, but right. Maybe I can have them sign this book that I have everyone sign or draw something in it for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. And it prompted some like really amazing conversations that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So it was like it really kind of made what would have been a run of the mill con experience into something like much more special. So that was cool. Thanks, and Robert. how did Avi do? He did fine. He was tired. He was more tired than he should have been, <laughs> honestly, given the amount of time. I let him sleep in that morning. We went to the market and he got to stay home and, and sleep knowing that he was going to have to walk around all afternoon. But like after the first hour, he said, Mommy, you are so much more used to being standing and walking all day than I am. I am tired. Dude, you're on the ice like 10 right. hours a week. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, buck up, kiddo. Uh-huh. But he got to talk to Nick Dragota, so that was cool because Nick had both of the trades of how tunes. Oh, and, good. Uh, and that was that was rad. Avi's got the new ones in single issues, but you know, it's nice to have like a sturdy book that 
kid reads stuff over and over and over again. So while all of his floppies are like well loved, it's nice to have like a book to put on the shelf also. So he's mm-hmm. been reading those all week. And we picked up a couple other little things for him. But yeah, all in all, it it's the kind of experience that I think I would recommend for like taking a kid to like a smaller local show like you and I've talked about in the past. But even even almost 10 is a little bit young for like just doing the con all day. Right, right. Like four hours was his max, and there was a tremendous amount of bribery involved. I mean, that's, I think that's a reasonable amount of time for most kids. Yeah, I agree. I was talking I, I to... think that's what we stayed, like Luke and I stayed at Wizard's World, and it was like three and a half hours. Well, and he's, you know, five, so. Right. But I was talking to Jeff Darrow really quickly about, um, he, we, there was a kid having a meltdown right next to his table while Avi and I were standing there. And it was uh-huh. early enough in the afternoon that like, Avi was just on point and charming and delightful. And, you know, obviously never going to be one of those kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was sure. a toddler, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were chatting about, like, how hard it is or how hard it was for, like, his daughter specifically and, like, what age really did did his daughter have to be before... It wasn't like a hassle. And, you know, 13, maybe 14, before you have to really compromise some of the things that you want to accomplish during the day if you're going to take your kid. And so, so I think the, the, the trade off is that like you don't, I don't take Avi to Emerald City. I don't, I would never take him to San Diego. I didn't take him to New York. There, there are reasonable expectations and then there are like, super ridiculous unfair scenarios for everybody involved so if unless you're local to those places i just you know I, I right just i mean it. even if you're local for those big conventions the cost associated with having to go or getting to go is almost doesn't justify it if you have a child who's under the age of appreciation yeah yeah i mean it was 10 bucks to get avi in to, to pay yeah out, so totally reasonable yeah so that was my last weekend That was your last weekend. By this time next week, one of us will have seen Avengers Age of Ultron, so that's pretty exciting. I think I'm going to try to see it Friday morning. When are we going to record, Aaron? I'm not sure. (laughs) That's cool, actually, because I'm going to go to the midnight show Thursday night, which in California is like at 9 o'clock, so it doesn't matter anyway. But I'm going to see it Thursday night. You can see it Friday morning, and then we can record whenever the fuck we feel like it. Sure, yeah. Awesome. I don't know if that'll actually work out, but that's my tentative plan. <laughs> uh, Godspeed on that one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's got to be a record. If you actually manage to see a movie on the day that it comes out. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, but this, it's like, I've set up as many filters as I can on all my internet stuff to it's try to weed it out. avoiding the spoilers on the internet. It's about... You being able to accomplish that with your schedule, dude. Yeah, it it's easier <laughs> now. This year, I guess, has gotten a little easier now that Luke's in preschool. So mm-hmm. I can go during preschool time and then be out of the movie. Every year gets a little to easier. To pick him up. Pretty soon, like you can a... just leave him at home. It's fine. Oh, boy. <laughs> it would actually be fun to go to a movie with kids, in theory. Right. I, I mean, I say a lot of things in my life would be fun to do with family. Right. 
that actually turned out not to be fun? Not yet. No. They will. No. They will. Yeah. Sure. But not yet. For a, for a brief window, <laughs> right? And then they become teenagers, and then it's no fun anymore. Right. Life's a roller coaster. Hooray! All right, well, we've talked like 18 minutes of bullshit. You ready to um, talk about some real stuff? 18 more minutes of a different kind of bullshit? Yeah, I mean, sure. Okay. This week's lone book is all-new X-Men number 40, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Mahmoud Asrar, Rain Barreto, did the coloring, and lettering is by Corey Pettit. I'm going to read the blurb directly from the issue. It's a bit long, but in this case, context is important for the conversation that we're going to have regarding these characters and their place within the Marvel Universe. The original X-Men, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Iceman, Angel, and Beast, were brought forward in time in an attempt to shine a light on the errors of the present-day X-Men. Unable to return to the past, they've taken up residence at the new Xavier School along with new teammate X-23. Recently, the young Scott Summers left the team to explore space with his father, Corsair. Since arriving in the present, the original X-Men have been hunted, jailed, divided, and spurned by their own people. They've traveled the cosmos, been trapped in alternate dimensions, and faced down the threat of death again and again. Despite all this, they've remained strong, and it seems this present is finally beginning to feel like a place where they can belong. Their experience with the cosmically powered Black Vortex may have served to reunite Scott with his team, but it undoubtedly left its effects on the young teammates, though how deeply they were each affected is still left to be seen. It's a time of new beginnings for the all-new X-Men, and it's up to them to determine what they do with the opportunity. Okay, one, two, three, go. I don't know. Kind of cool. <laughs> cool. Oh, Aaron, why are we talking about this book? Why shouldn't we talk about this book? Well, you might as well put it out there because... Well, obviously you want to have read this book before listening to this if you care about reading this book. Because it's revealed that Iceman is a homosexual. Wow, is there a more like flammatory way that you can introduce this topic? I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's uh, Yeah, there's plenty of more inflammatory <laughs> oh my ways. God. Why is that how is that inflammatory? Isn't keep that exactly going, what keep happens? Keep going, please, please. <laughs> like what am I supposed to say? Like he he done he's done been gay now? Like what do you what do you, you want are, me to say? You're you're setting the tone for this beautifully. I can't wait. I can't wait to get into it. He's, but it's I'm trying I'm trying to use specific words you, because you that, are you made that... a very specific choice. Keep going. Okay, so Jean and Bobby have a conversation where she asks him why he is um, making statements about women that she knows he does not believe, and he calls Magic's uh, new outfit or like he refers to Magic as hot. Sure. And she's like, why do you do that? Right. Yeah. And I don't think this is a... I don't care about any kind of conversation of, like, was it right for Gene to, you know, confront him like that or anything like that. I think in a lot of ways that's a fairly... That was a fairly genuine interaction for teenagers. Yeah, I actually... I really sort of appreciate the point of view about Gene and Bobby being teenagers because neither of them acts like a, a model citizen in this interaction. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm interested in 
talking about the implications of the conversation, but like actually a little bit less interested in saying that she outed him because it was a it was a private yeah, a private and that's, chat. A, that's a and debate that I don't think is pertinent to this issue. Also, like as as Bendis pointed out specifically, like <laughs> this is a character from a a different time, a limited worldview. Like there's he time travel weirdness involved. Like you you cannot use this as a corollary to like any other conversation between two like humans although it can be a jumping off point to talk about like the roles of of friendship in this like kind of reveal so okay putting that out there sure i'm not i'm not putting uh gene on on trial for for outing bobby okay yeah that's fine so why are we dancing around each other like why are you like why don't you want to discuss this i totally want to discuss this i just think that as we have already revealed to each other this week uh i think we have (laughs) we have very different points of view on why this was important and like what comes next and how it fits into anything else that's happening in comics um, I think the discussion, though, really is about what's happening in mainstream comics. That's fine. You can put, right? you can put as many uh, like parameters on this as you need to. Well, no, because to me, the whole the whole discussion is the the importance of Marvel and DC comics in terms of spearheading or promoting um, diversity and equality. Fair right, enough. because because we we have that opportunity in independent comics, but the the audience is far more limited. Absolutely. So, so be as specific as you need to be. We are talking about representation, and we are talking about diversity in mainstream comics, and we are actually very specifically talking about it exclusively in Marvel because I don't know shit about DC, and so I'm not in a position to make a comparison between what Marvel is doing to what DC is doing. Okay. I guess here here's my conflict with this. Okay. Changing the origin story of a mainstream character in Marvel Comics to promote diversity feels like a wrong step. It feels like a cop-out. It feels like lazy writing okay. in, in this case. That it's an easy way to get publicity and, you know, stir buzz and... And maybe you know start start a conversation, but in terms of the long long term effect and how it actually helps readers and helps readers that would identify with characters like this, I think it. I don't know if it hurts things more than it helps, but I don't think it promotes things the way they should. I definitely don't think it hurts, but I'd like to hear before I dismantle your point of view. I'd like to hear why you think. Why you think that this doesn't help? I don't know if it doesn't help. I just don't think it would help as much as writing good new characters that represent the you know race, orientation, creeds, credos that you know that you want to add diversity to the the Marvel universe. New for. characters and new perspectives is great. That's awesome. Nobody is saying no to that. And I know that you are going to point to Ms. Marvel and the success of that book as an example that it is completely a reasonable thing to do that. Okay. But don't tell me that I just have to pick one. 
don't tell me that I only get Ms. Marvel or I get a female Thor or I get foul cap or, or like, it's not, it's, it's not one problem and therefore it's not one solution. I'm not saying it is. So why can't we do both? Why can't we explore opportunities to investigate origin stories that would make sense to alter or to uh, expand like Bobby Drake's as well as adding new characters like Kamala Khan? Let's look at the nature of these continuity-driven characters. Okay. Right? So... You say Bobby Drake is gay, has always been gay. And uh, you, say that, you say that now. Well, I'm going to let you what make happened, that statement. What happens then... five years later when we decide to retcon that again? That, that's a bullshit counter argument. Because you cannot predict that that's what's going to happen. And so being afraid to make any sort of change or look at... Uh, uh, expansion upon a character's like history and depth in a way that like actually kind of makes a little bit of sense just because you're afraid that somewhere down the line uh it it's going to become less prominent no i don't I'm think saying, it's gonna I'm get retconned the, i don't, th- I don't think it is there's what do you say when you when you diminish or or reset something that is as important as and like something that's so socially important right now, mm-hmm. with with changing changing a character that has such an established history like this. But but why has this why has this new information somehow diminished the importance of the past history? It hasn't. It hasn't. It doesn't diminish it. And I'm not saying it changes. Like that's fine if you are making, but you. You are making a permanent change here, or you're you're treading into a minefield of splitting the character's present self and and past self. Aaron, why does it have to be a permanent change? Why can't it be an ongoing conversation, just like it is in life with real, actual people? Why can't it have a more fluid definition of exploration and conversation where it like ebbs and flows? in terms of how relevant it is to a current storyline and how not relevant it is. Well, when you're talking about something about homosexuality that doesn't really have a social... uh, There's not really much of in terms of, like, a social debate that way. You know... What are you talking about? Well... (laughs) Is it okay? Okay. (laughs) Is it okay in society now to say, like, well... Maybe some people are born gay. Maybe some people aren't. You know, maybe it's a choice you make. We have to be really careful about making statements about what isn't okay in society. I think it's like a much safer path if we stick to our personal points of view here. I, I don't yeah, think... I guess. No, but this is relevant to the to the story because if you, you are making declarations with this character... Right, but... But I think that many, 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 many people will argue with you about it being such a binary decision. Like, it, okay. it, it doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. I think almost here, here, you know, like part of talking about this with you is me trying to parse it out and like 
figure out what would I what would I do if I wanted to to write something like this into you know Marvel continuity. Okay. And maybe something like this would make more sense if there was an established, you know, if there were established new characters, in a way. What? Okay. What you mean? Like ice, like Iceman doesn't feel like the right choice to be the Jackie Robinson of comics homosexuality. Okay, I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with you on that. I think that he has a a history of of not being successful in relationships with women and that's that's an established <laughs> well, thing hang on wait wait no 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 either no, spider-man no, don't you fucking Iron talk Man. over me if you're going to ask me to make a point i spent a lot of time thinking about this and i'd like to share why i think that bobby drake is a reasonable example and i'm not the only person part of what i did to prepare for this was like read so much about what people are talking about what is and isn't working with them working for them with this story and and like that helped me come to my own conclusions and one of the points that I thought was actually really relevant that I had forgotten and I feel bad for forgetting this because I love the House of M storyline but think about what happened to Iceman after House of M and the fact that he had like repressed his abilities to try to be more normal. I think there's like a really, really compelling argument for his like shame that is very canon to the character that makes a lot of sense. If you're gonna pick from the slate of existing mutants and you're gonna say one of them is gay, this is not an outlier. Bobby Drake, I I totally buy into this. I totally buy into an adult who is struggling with his identity, who is is perhaps not conscious of his like how closeted he is or at one point make the made the conscious decision to like as young Bobby says, go for the one that was easiest to suppress and just like try to make life go as smoothly as possible. And that doesn't seem an unreasonable, like completely out of nowhere way to go with his character. And that's why the notion of like magically making him gay and like, whoa, where did this come from? I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. It, That seems to me to be a response born from, I don't know, fear and ignorance rather than just like acceptance that that could be a very reasonable and realistic way for somebody's life to play out. Okay. That's it? Just okay? I mean, it's fine. I think there's also... <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a stupid conversation to talk about continuity. Because there's you could literally pick and choose... The... <laughs> Aren't you the person who brought it up? <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on my coffee. I think I might be dead. No, because you're, you're now citing examples, you know, to the contrary. You know, I think any... The history of any character could be be interpreted that way and then you get this this is the problem i have with it i think you're right i agree with all of this and i don't think there's a i don't think it's a big deal to have you know have the one of the x-men be gay and have it be bobby that's fine that makes sense i don't think this is the time to do it i think you i think it was it's a poor way to to build this aspect of the marvel story 
because uh, because of the two bobbies or like i don't understand what you mean about like no just time. because of because of history Wait, what do you mean it's, by history i mean i mean because he's an established character over 60 years old but like don't you understand how important that is no i really don't <laughs> okay <laughs> you understand that that representation of all sorts is important. That like people and kids especially need to see examples of parts of them, identifiable parts of them represented in the media, not just in comics, but in movies, in in television, in books. Like that's a thing. That's that's not something that we're arguing about, right? Sure. Okay. And you May or may not. What? Okay, uh, I'll get to what I'm gonna say in a little bit because it it it's probably a little touchy. But uh, existing characters reframed is the easiest way to do that. Like okay. just conjuring yeah. up a new character who's like a super empowered, also gay, but like it's cool. Nobody's gonna make a big deal about it. Like guy, that's hard. I know, that takes some good writing, doesn't it? It it does take some good writing, but it also takes a tremendous amount of marketing. It takes a tremendous amount of buy-in by not just one creative team, but, like, your entire staff. And it takes a lot of, like, emphasis to get that person or that character to even be on the same playing field as an established character who's been around for 60 years. So you're starting with this, like, huge deficit and then you want to be able to like launch this new initiative that is like why like why does it need to be one or the other it's it's not a zero-sum game it's like the example with with Ms. Marvel like you can do amazing new characters but like why does that have to just be the only thing that you do like it's not a cop-out like saying that Thor doesn't count even though she's a woman because Odinson is still running around or like Falcon picking up the mantle of Captain America is diminished because like Steve isn't dead. It's short-sighted because it's a gesture. It's a gesture of huge significance. And to dismiss that is to not acknowledge that you have a very privileged point of view because it's easy for you to find characters to identify with in the media. But the two examples you just cited are going are temporary changes. It it doesn't matter in those cases how temporary or not temporary it is. It's a huge point to actually get to that level of hey, Thor is female. Hey, Captain America is black. Hey, Iceman is gay. You can't take that away from them once it's happened. Captain America will always be black whenever Falcon is Captain America. Bobby Drake is always going to be gay. I believe that Marvel's not going to take that away from them. Oh, take that away from him because like the level of 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 outrage and just like irresponsibility that they'd be called out for is I just, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that they're going to go that route. And there will always be a point now where we can say Thor could be a woman. Always. 
There will always be precedent for a woman being worthy enough to be Thor. If this current Thor, who is female, doesn't last for the next 20 years, I'm okay with that because she did exist. So that, that moment is so important. It's symbolic, but it's fucking huge, especially for younger readers. So it doesn't have to just be new characters. I think it actually kind of has to be existing characters too. Because you're talking about 60 years, like you said, but you're talking about 60 years of overwhelmingly just very white, very straight, predominantly male characters. Okay. So looking for opportunities like they found with Bobby, where it's not completely fucking bananas to say, you know what? Kid's gay. Okay. That, that's actually kind of admirable. It gives them the chance to like explore what that means for the team, for him, for his identity. And it's still like very solidly an X-Men story with time travel and mind reading and like craziness. And I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I think maybe as we talk about this, my fear would be that, the, that it would be undone. I really don't think so, but tell me why you do. Well, because it, just like we talk about with Thor and Captain America, those will be undone. Steve will be Captain America again, you know. Odin's son will be Thor again. Those are temporary character changes. I don't, I don't think that you can just, make those uh, comparisons, like, directly, because we're, unless we're going the route of... Like, older Bobby has come to terms with falling somewhere on the spectrum. Um, You know, he's bisexual or he predominantly prefers, uh, you know, women but occasionally is interested in men or, you know, is is asexual or pansexual. Like, there's lots of... the, The terminology is a very personal decision, right? And young Bobby has at that point in his 16-year-old life, decided gay works for him. But maybe 35-year-old Bobby is at a different point and has come to a different realization with his identity. Also has a very drastically different history. So, like, I'm not... I'm not caught up on the, like, the individual words, okay? But I don't think that you can take away the experience, just like you can't take away the experience from Falcon, and you can't take away the experience from whoever Thor is. Like, that still happened. Sure. And, and I think it's, that's what I mean by like being irresponsible. I don't think that Marvel is that, frankly, I don't think they're that stupid. It's a very, very, very dangerous game to play having a character come out and then be like, oops, never mind. Right. Well, that's, that was like my fear when it's like, well, you know, these are, this is not, you know, initially when this, this series started, it was, well, they've been brought forward in time and they'll be sent back at some point. And, you know, it's, it's one of those, well, does this last then? Or like, what, what's, what are we saying then about it as the larger sense 
of homosexuality and these feelings and, and people trying to come to terms with them and being respectful like that that's kind of my argument like it's not about does this make sense or you know does the continuity fit because there's plenty continuity is muddled to the point where you can make any kind of it continuity is almost like the bible you can pick and choose what you want to make mm -hmm. the argument you want so so that what isn't really my fear it's more honoring than this this new reveal and making sure the people who will gravitate and and feel connected to it that their their feelings are honored and they are, their i you know and their icon that they might gravitate to is honored as well and i don't get the impression from either bendis or axel alonso or anybody else who has in other stories in other like marvel stories doing making choices that are you know being heralded as as like change driven i don't i don't think anybody is playing with this lightly that doesn't mean that every single thing that comes out of every single comic that Marvel is producing right now is locked in stone for an ever and ever times infinity. Things change, but there are- Well, we're also are... talking, when we're talking about like Thor or Thor and, and Captain America, those are those are titles, but they're not, they weren't changing Odinson to be a female. Right, and, and there was actually a lot of, there was Steve concern Black. about that. There was super concern that, that, that that would be, like, an incredibly problematic route to go. Like, sure. poof, magically you're, you're a woman now. Like, ah, man, that's treading into some very dangerous territory. But that's not, in fact, what happened. Mm -hmm. And in, instead, it's a, it's, a, it's a point that there is there's a woman who's worthy to carry the mantle of Thor. And that's, that's fucking huge. Mm -hmm. So you look at, at Bobby, like young Bobby, uh, struggling with, with questions of identity and defining himself separately, but aware of what his like adult self has done. And that's, that's a fascinating story that I, I almost wish that we could, could explore that independently of anything else that's happening with the X-Men because it's, it's pure fantasy, but like what a what an interesting uh, like testament to like the how sexuality is not linear. It's very fluid, just like you know metaphorically, just like what's happening with those characters themselves. But it, this is part of the X Men. This does have bigger implications for the characters in the other stories, and I don't think, like I said, I don't think that this is something that you just kind of dabble in. This is a really big choice, and it's one that I completely support because it doesn't feel uh, half-assed. Was it mm. perfect? Not at all. But I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the writing. I'm not critiquing the like method of reveal. I will point out that I think the body language the art during their conversation is really telling about how they feel individually during the course of the conversation. But this is one chapter of a serial story. It's the start of the conversation. And I don't think it's a conversation that Marvel is going to shy away from. 
Like, even with what's coming with Secret Wars. I, I hope not. I And I think that was more... I think that, in the end, is more my reaction of, you know, if you're going down this road, if this is if this is the course being taken, don't, you know, don't screw it up. So is it wariness? I guess so. Just because it's the, the nature of these serialized comics is... Things change temporarily, but the status quo remains the same. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, uh, that's why that's why I like the idea of new characters that have blank, you know, histories that you get to write, and you get to establish from the get go. Do you understand my point though? That like you really can't depend on that exclusively. That that that's a phenomenal part of the larger solution. Sure, but it's not I, I do, exclusive. but but you don't need to have you know kids now who ha- who are coming to terms with their sexuality to have Iceman posters up on their walls. You know, you can have you can have gay icons that that people can gravitate to. That... Wait, wait, wait! Explain. Like, you think that it would be better if it was a new character? I think initially in. in Yes, I think it's in establishing this, these aspects better and filling out the world better, I think it's better to have fresh characters. Mm, I totally disagree. And I really, I, I truly, truly believe that that is a, that's a perspective that, that comes from, like, not ever looking at the available characters and not seeing yourself. But that's that's fine because that's what we're that, that is the conceit you know that that that's how it is. I know, Aaron, but that's what needs to change. No, it doesn't need to change because that 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 is how comics are sold to us as kids. Wait, These wait, are... wait, wait, wait. Let me give you a chance to clarify that because I'm saying one thing and I don't actually think that you're responding to what I'm saying. I'm saying that what needs to change is that, like, you look at all of the available superheroes, and they can't all be white men. They can't. They can't sure. all be straight white men. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So that kid with the Iceman poster up, knowing that Iceman is one of the original X-Men, it's an incredibly empowering realization that this character who's been around for, as you yourself pointed out, 60 years, has now more in common with with me, with my, like, me as a teenager, with this poster on the wall. Like, that's huge. As opposed to, like, here's this brand new character where you want to talk about not having confidence that a company is going to keep a character around? Look at a brand new character that's going to pop up and, like, be shelved a couple of issues or a couple of years later even super popular ones like hulkling how often do we see him how often do we see any of the young avengers who like quite frankly were just <laughs> who who was straight on that team uh kate 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 yeah. right okay so like when do we see any of them besides kate <laughs> besides kate Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like, here are these new characters, and they've actually been around for a couple of years. They're not, like, brand, brand new, but they are relatively new characters, and they're not being utilized. So you want you want me to come up with a super brand new character, just, like, pull him out of a hat, and he's going to be gay, and he's going to be awesome, and he's going to have the same power 
for that kid with the poster on the wall? No way. No fucking way. That's naive at best. And that's like super denial at worst. Yeah, it's funny because I guess I'm so short-sighted that I even had kind of forgot about Wiccan and Hulkling. Yeah. Because I don't think of people that way, but I guess you do. Oh my God. Don't, don't try to turn this around into a joke. Acknowledge that I'm right. I think those are good points. <laughs> I could see the importance, maybe, of something like that. It doesn't mean you're right, but it's, it's something to think about. Oh, Aaron. <laughs> it is. It is something to think about. All of this, hopefully, is something to think about. Yeah. And, like, I've I've ended up, after thinking about it for, like, days, I, I, should, I should point out that when you initially said we were going to talk about this book, I said, hell no. Because there's so much to process. And, like, I'm still thinking about it, and I'm going to continue to think about it, and it's all part of a larger... All the things that I've been thinking about in general. Well, and you think I'm an ignorant homophobe, too. I don't think you're an ignorant homophobe. I do think that you're a straight white guy, and that makes things easier for you. It does. I like, that's why I wanted to talk about this, because it helps me to talk these things out. I know. I know. I adore you. That's why I like to talk to you about this. Oh, thanks. But we do have different perspectives, which is kind of the point, right? I guess, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't not have your perspective. I just needed to understand. Aaron, I you don't the, I, have my perspective. You completely the, do not have my perspective. That doesn't invalidate yours. But we we are never going to have the same perspective because. Thank God. Turns out I'm not a straight white guy. No, you're not. So I will I will concede that. Thank you. <laughs> that doesn't mean that like you cannot see or understand my point of view. It's just yeah. like by definition, we come at this from like incredibly obvious different perspectives. So Good. it's cool. And Fine. it also turns out <laughs> that everyone's allowed to react to it on their own differently. And that's one of the things that was happening with the internet this week is that because because the you you mentioned society, you mentioned society's viewpoints on like what being gay and being gay in a public way actually means for both adults and for kids. It, it's a very like personal decision and the experience is very different for each person and so this this is not meant to be I don't know like a cookie cutter example of the way that it always will go or should go or anything like that some of the responses and like calls for how problematic it was I've been really interested to hear those and to like see people's stories being shared but on the other side I've also seen a lot of stories that were like, yeah, I can relate to this because I, you know, I had conversations with friends where it, it validated my identity or they helped me to define my identity or, or, or what have you. And, and so like, as the, as the starting point for a conversation, like bring it on as the end point for one that, that makes me nervous because it's not. I don't think it's presented as, like, we're never going to touch this again. 
Yeah, I hope not. I hope it. I hope it is treated with the respect that introducing this story into the Marvel universe deserves. Mm-hmm. And not shelved, and not something that is popular for a couple months and then ignored. Yeah. Although, like, I'm totally fine with it not being, like I said before, it doesn't have to be, like, a defining character trait. Right. It doesn't have to be every issue is, let's explore (laughs) Bobby's sexuality for four pages every issue. It's like, okay, then it becomes insulting because it becomes a kind of a, uh, a soapbox. Yeah. Yeah. So you made me read Black Vortex. And my takeaway from that was more about the prominence of uh, Peter and Kitty's relationship as opposed to what you wanted me to take away from that, which was was like the conversation about how the Black Vortex changes you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the focus of that issue is is about Peter and Kitty, but... Right, right, right. I thought there was a significance to that, the kind of the speech about how the vortex will reveal things about you if you choose to depower yourself from it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. But I just want to throw it out there that that a a through line with a larger story, a larger event that has to do with, like, Bobby's relationship with another guy in the same way that Peter and Kitty's relationship was the through line with Black Vortex. Mm-hmm. You know, not the worst idea I've ever heard. Sure. I mean, even though it's not nearly as popular, you know, they've done that in Alpha, Alpha Flight before. I don't know what that is. You don't know what Alpha Flight is? No. Nope. I Okay. That's the Canadian super team. So North Star is... Oh, what, okay. If you had said North Star, I would have known what that was. Okay. However... <laughs> When was the last time you saw anything about North Star? Yeah, it's been it's been a while, but the the last Alpha Flight series, mini series, had a, had a, a significant part of the storyline dealing with North Star and his boyfriend. And Is then, that the one that then, ends with him getting married? Uh, it comes out of that, yeah. Okay, do you know how long ago that was? I don't know. Time is very fluid for me. You're not I, even a time traveling X Men. <laughs> Pre maybe I guess six years ago, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. Because I think that was happening right about when I was getting back into comics. Right. So, just another point about then we don't hear about that character again. So that's why it's important for it to be a prominent character like Iceman. Sure, yeah. That's all. Okay. I win. Fine. (laughs) I guess until next week. That was fun. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Are you upset with me? Nope. Okay. Do you want to go read some more comics? Yep. Are you, did you finish your stack this week? Yep. Is there anything that you want me to read first? Sure. Like? I don't have my list in front of me. Oh. I read 37 books this week. But, like, what are you still thinking about? Um, all new X-Men 40. <laughs> you're adorable what else mm. are you still thinking about um i don't know i've moved on to next week oh okay yeah some of us you know wednesday's our day to read comic books huh maybe hmm. one day maybe one day i'll have that luxury <laughs> okay <laughs> i've built my life around it mm, yes you have all right what else do we want to tell people i think that that's it i think I, I mean, I hesitate to say that we'll be back on a regular schedule because, like, every time we say that, 
<laughs> shit happens. Sure. But uh, just looking at the calendar, there's no reason that I can come up with that would, oh, except for Avengers, but, you know, you're going right. to deal with that. Uh, that would prevent us from recording next week as well. So, in the meantime, kids, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite books, pre-order them, or, you know, subscribe to them online. And anything that you need from us is on the website, comicstherapy.com. Until next week. Goodbye. Thank you.